You know, uh, some of the problems that I used to have in the past was remembering things. And when I was in business, it just seems like I was flooded with a multitude of things. And I'm sure many of you folks have experienced some of those things yourself. To the point where I had to start writing down checklists. I had to have two lists. The first things that, were, uh, that, that took precedence, and then the second different things. I had two lists of things. If I put them all in the same day, I'd never get them finished. So they had to have their priorities. But you know, I find that by memorizing scripture, it helps us to build a better memory. And there for some years, my wife and I, we always took scriptures and put them in the bathroom. And when we went in there and while I was shaving, I'd be looking at the scriptures and going over the scriptures. And uh, it's a wonderful way to help us to remember. But friends, as we have just mentioned, the title of this sermon today or this lecture is to remember because the whole world forgot. And uh, we can see that in past history, can't we? I'd like for us to turn this morning to Exodus 20, verse 8 through 11. Exodus 20, verse 8 through 11. And let's see what the whole world has really forgotten. And you know, the, many of the scriptures that we're going to go over today, I'm sure that, like I mentioned, that many of you folks have probably know them by heart. But what is another way of having a good memory? Repetition. Repetition. Read, read, read. The Spirit of Prophecy says, educate, educate, educate. That those things might become a habit pattern upon our minds. That's why the Lord says, bind these commandments upon thy, uh, around thy head and in thine heart, that we shall not forget them. Starting at verse 8, it says, remember the Sabbath day and to keep it holy. I would like to get into that just a wee bit today, if we may, on keeping the Sabbath holy and watching the edges of the Sabbath what it really means to us. Remember that you have only six days to labor and to do all your work. Many people have forgotten that, haven't they? They work seven days a week. Is there no wonder that we have people that are sick, people that have no peace of mind? They have not the Sabbath day to set it aside, to enter into that rest, to have that peace and tranquility that only God can give. But the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord. Remember, the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord. Not Sunday, friends. But the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord. He says to remember that. In it thou shalt do no work, nor thy sons, thy daughters, thy manservants, nor thy maidservants, nor the cattle, nor the strangers within thine gates. What a testimony to the world and people that come to visit us when we can show them 
how to truly enter into the rest, truly have that peace of mind and contentment which brings us health. For in six days, remember, for in six days the Lord had made the heavens and the earth and the seas and, the, and all that is in, in them is, and rested on the seventh day, wherefore the Lord blessed the seventh day and hallowed it. Remember, only God can bless and make holy a day. Man does not have that authority. Do you believe that? Where does man get the audacity to feel that he can change the Sabbath? Something that God has put in, made a memorial to creation. 1 Corinthians 10.11 says that all the things that happened to the Israelites when they left Egypt going into Canaan is for our admonition, for us to learn by. They are examples, and we need to evaluate all the things, the events that took place when they left Egypt going into Canaan. And as we remember, on the banks of the Jordan, just before they were ready to enter into Canaan, <clears throat> Israel was strong. And Balaam told the Israelites, he tried all types of things to get them to, to uh, break down and to sin. But Balaam told the Moabites, he says, the only way that you will ever get them separated from God is get them to what? Sin against God. That was the only way they could do it. And so the Moabites and Balaam had a plan. They had the Moabitish women to slip into the camps. <clears throat> and uh, entice the leaders of Israel's armies. And they brought them back and they fed them the foods of the Moabites. Most of you folks know the story. And pretty soon they started drinking the wine of the Moabites. And they started having big parties. And they started worshiping Baal. They joined themselves to Baal. And when did this happen? just before they entered Canaan. And friends, we are about to enter where? The heavenly Canaan, aren't we? And because of their disobedience, a great plague came upon Israel. And it says 20-some thousand people died from that plague. Friends, I want to tell you this. We haven't seen anything yet of the things that are coming upon this world. We haven't seen anything yet, the things that are coming upon God's people. Are we ready? Are we ready to face it? Are we ready to face it when the plagues start falling? <clears throat> In Ezekiel, I'd like for us to turn to Ezekiel 8. Ezekiel 8. Ezekiel 8, 15 and 16. 
Excuse me. Down to the ages of history, we've seen where Israel has committed abominations. And friends, I'd like to say that we're different today, but sad to say that we're not. Because the closer to the end of time, the more sin comes into the world, the more abominations are manifested. Verse 15 says, Then said he, this is the Lord speaking to Ezekiel, and the Lord was uncovering some of these hidden sins that were going about in Israel. And he says, Then said he unto me, Hast thou seen this, O son of man? Turn thee yet again, and thou shalt see a greater abomination than these. And he brought me into the inner court of the Lord's house. Where did he bring him? Into the Lord's house. And behold, look at the door of the temple of the Lord. Between the porch and the altar were about five and twenty men with their backs toward the temple. Now remember, the entrance of the sanctuary was in where? The east side. And when you walked in, you faced the sanctuary, first the courtyard, and then the most, the holy place, and then the most holy place where the Ark of the Covenant was. But they had their back against the sanctuary, against the Ark of the Covenant, <coughs> against the commandments of God, against the Sabbath commandment. And says, and their faces were toward the east, and they worshiped the sun toward the east. And friends, this is not talking about paganism or pagans. This is talking about the Israelites. Introducing Sunday worship among themselves. <clears throat> But we can see that these things were a great abomination to the Lord. And we find in Ezekiel 7, he had a man in, in white linen to go through the ranks of Israel with an inkhorn and put a seal upon their forehead. And then the other man with a slaughtering weapon went through and he slaughtered literally everyone that did not have that seal on their forehead. And what is the part of that seal? We said it, mentioned it last night. Health reform is a very part of the seal. It's a very part of the word of God, the gospel. Friends, we need to take a second look at it. This is not just a message to make healthy sinners friends. <clears throat> this is a message to prepare a people to live with holy beings in, in God's heavenly kingdom. Because if we are not happy with the health message that we have here, we'll never be happy with the one we're going to have in heaven. If we're not happy with the Sabbath here, friends, we'll never be happy with the Sabbath there. Now, there's two common 
statements that are made today. And I'm sure that most of you folks have heard these two statements. How many of you heard people say that the Sunday is, a, uh, is the Lord's day? Oh, we hear that all the time, don't we? <clears throat> the other one is they say, well, the Sabbath was made for the Jews. Well, let's see if we can't repudiate that. <clears throat> Turn with me to Mark 2, uh, verses 27 and 28. <clears throat> Mark 2. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> Mark 2, verse 27 and 28, and I read on. <clears throat> and he said unto them, <clears throat> The Sabbath was made for man, and not man for the Sabbath. And here again, Jesus reaffirms Exodus 20, verse 10, when he says, Therefore the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath day. And we find in Exodus 20, it says he's Lord of the seventh day Sabbath. <clears throat> and how people, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> how the people of the world could get this so misunderstood or so mistaken I have no idea. Now, the next uh, verse I would like for us to turn to is in... Um, oh, thank you so much. Appreciate that. But first of all, let's figure, find out this. What is the benefits of the Sabbath? What is the benefits when we obey the Lord's commands to to um, obey the Sabbath. Let's turn to Deuteronomy 7. Deuteronomy 7. <clears throat> Verse 9. It says, Know therefore that the Lord thy God, he is God, the faithful God, which keepeth the covenant, and mercy with them that love him and keep his commandments to a thousand, to a thousand generations. Let's go down to verse 12. Wherefore it shall come to pass, if ye shall hearken to these judgments, and keep them, and do them, that the Lord thy God shall keep unto thee the covenant, the, the covenant and the mercy which he swear unto thy fathers. Now let's go down to 14 and 15. Thou shalt be blessed above all people. There shall not be one male or female barren among you or among your cattle. And friends, not only will we not be barren as far as children, but we will not be barren for the needs that we have. We will not be barren with the word of God. <clears throat> Verse 15, it says, And the Lord will take away from thee all sicknesses, and will put none of these evil diseases, on, uh, diseases of Egypt, which thou knowest, upon thee. 
but will lay them upon all them that hate me. <clears throat> now, do you notice what he said? All. All sickness. Now, I'd like to just really give a testimony, friends. We've been giving these health classes and seminars for probably some 13 years, 14 years. And when we have seen people that actually apply this program to their life, the eight natural laws of health, we've seen miraculous things occur. We've seen it with our own eyes. My wife is a living testimony as well. We've seen people get off of their diabetic medicine, the insulin. <clears throat> We've seen people that had to have surgery thwart off the surgery. They didn't have to have the surgery. And they can say what they want, but friends, we've seen cancer go into remission. It's happened in my family, and friends, I believe it. But it's just like the woman that, that struggled to get up to Jesus as he was walking in the crowd. And he knew that she was trying to get up to him. And she struggled and she was weak and tired. She had an issue with blood for 12 years. And she reached out and touched just the hem of his garment. And when he turned around, he said, who touched me? And the disciple says, Master, what do you mean, who touched you? Look at the throng of people. He said, somebody touched me. I felt the virtue go out of me. And the woman seeing that she was caught. And she bowed down and she explained what she had done. And his words, friends, was, Thy faith has made thee whole of the plague. Thy faith has made thee whole of the plague. And friends, when we take hold of this message, this, me this health message that God has given us, we can be made whole by our faith. Do you believe that? Amen. But you see, we have a part to do as well, don't we? We're told that we are co-laborers with God. And the uh, spirit of prophecy tells us if we would heal today as we did many years ago by just touching a person like Jesus did, then there would be no change in the life. They would continue on with the same lifestyle. And so therefore, by applying these things, we apply them in faith. Miraculous things begin to happen. <clears throat> Praise the Lord for that. Deuteronomy 6. Deuteronomy 6. One of the most wonderful promises to me. In fact, this is a, this is a text to me that simplifies righteousness by faith in just a few words. You know, righteousness by faith, if you try to exhaust it, it would take you forever, wouldn't it? <clears throat> But to me, this is a righteousness by faith in capsule form. Deuteronomy 6, verses 24 and 25. And it says this. And the Lord commanded us to do all these statutes to fear the Lord our God. For whose good? Our, our good. 
for our good always, that he might preserve us, how? Alive. And friends, with the things that are coming upon this world today, it's only by God's grace and our obedience to his word that's going to make us through. It's the only thing that's going to take us through. To preserve us alive as it is at this day. Now here's the part that I like. And it shall be our righteousness if we observe and do all these commandments before the Lord our God as he has commanded us. So righteousness by faith, friends, is <clears throat> hearing the word of God and by faith taking hold. Put it in, putting it into action in our life. We can believe it all of our life, friends, but until we step into the water of, of uh, the Red Sea, until we put it into action, until we test it out, it won't mean a thing. Do you believe that? Because if we live it and love it and believe it, we're going to do it. This is my assumption. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> now, who is the Jew? We hear this comment made continually. The Sabbath was made for the Jew. Well, that comment may be half right. We're spiritual Jews, aren't we? Amen. Let's see what Paul says about it in Romans 2. Romans 2. <clears throat> Romans 2, verses 28 and 29. And so here's a statement that we can give back to a person if they say yes it was made for the Jews and we say yes you're right but who is the Jew let's see what Paul says here in verse 28 for he is not a Jew which is one how outwardly neither is that circumcision which is outward in the flesh but he is a Jew which is one how inwardly and circumcision is that of the heart. Friends, we need to ask ourselves today, have we allowed Jesus to circumcise our hearts? You see, we can't do that. But he can do it in us, can't he? Verse 29. But he is a Jew which is one inwardly, and the circumcision of that is the heart, in the spirit and not of the letter, whose praise is not of men, but of God. It's not of the letter of the law, friends. The law does not save. But the law can reveal sin to us, can't it? But it's our love for the law of God. Jesus says, if you love me, keep my commandments. You see... We have all the doctrines in the world, but 1 Corinthians 13, verse 1 to 3 says, if we do not have love, which is a catalyst that holds all of that together, then we don't have anything. It says, all your efforts is made in vain. All the efforts are made in vain. <clears throat> Let's turn to Deuteronomy uh, 30. Deuteronomy 30 
Deuteronomy 30, verse 6 says this, And the Lord thy God will circumcise thine heart and the heart of thy seed to love the Lord with all thine heart. See, friends, we can't even love the Lord until we have that circumcision of the heart. Till we have the sin and all those things cut out of our heart. And with all thy soul... <clears throat> <clears throat> that thou may liveth. Now we know that the Lord had created the Sabbath as a sign between he and man. <clears throat> he made a covenant with us. And it is a memorial <clears throat> that we may know that he is God. He has sanctified the Sabbath, and by us keeping the Sabbath and entering into that Sabbath rest, rest, we are also sanctified. That's part of the purification. <clears throat> Excuse me. You know, it seems rather strange that God would give the commandments in the, at the beginning, in, in uh, Genesis 2, by setting the example. Now remember, he's our example. It says that God rested on the seventh day. And now God does not have to rest, does he? But he set an example for us. And remember, when he created the Sabbath day, it put the finishing touches to creation. There were no Jews. There were no different nationalities. That didn't come until later, did it? Until after the flood of Baal. But it would seem strange that God would have all to keep the Sabbath at the beginning. And then after Jesus came, discontinue and say, now keep the sixth day of the week. And then when you get to heaven, we're going to continue on keeping the seventh day again. Because he says in Isaiah 66 that all flesh shall come on the Sabbath day to worship him. Now that would leave a little state of confusion, wouldn't it? But friends... We are not confused, are we? What God says, it is always, always holds true. God does not change. What he said yesterday goes today and forever. There's no holes in the scriptures. It, it translates itself. <clears throat> Excuse me. I'd like first to turn to Isaiah 58, if you would, please. Isaiah 58. <clears throat> do you know, folks, that we have a job to do? Isaiah 58, I mean the, the health laws and the... Sabbath is all tied up in Isaiah 58. This is a part of the work of the God's people in the last days. Absolutely no doubt, unequivocally. But starting at verse uh, 12, it says, and they, shall, <clears throat> and they that shall be of thee 
shall build the old waste places, thou shalt rise up the foundations of many generations, and thou shalt be called the what? Repairs of the breach. You see, the Sabbath is the, is the uh, breach that's in the wall of the commandments. It's the part that's been taken out. It's left an empty spot there. We are to fill in that spot. We are to take this message to the world. Repairs of the breach, the restorers of the path to dwell in. And how many people that are going in different directions, all sheep that are going astray, going their own way, because they're lost, they don't know their way. And they do not know how to go to the scriptures and prove that Sunday is the Sabbath, do they? But certainly there's plenty of evidence, plenty of information that tells us that the seventh day Sabbath is the true Sabbath of the Lord thy God. If thou wilt turn away thy foot from the Sabbath and from doing thine pleasures on my holy day and calling the Sabbath a delight. Now friends, we can live the letter of the law by keeping the Sabbath and think that we can keep it. Well, we can't even keep it that way. You see, it's when it becomes a delight. When you love to see the Sabbath coming on and hate to see the Sabbath when it ends. When you get spiritually filled, loving the Sabbath is a delight. When it becomes a delight, friends, it doesn't become difficult. When we have a love for God, it doesn't become difficult. Turning thy foot from the Sabbath, from doing thy own pleasures on my holy day, and call the Sabbath a delight, the holy of the Lord, honorable, and shalt honor, shall honor him, not doing thine own ways, nor finding thine own pleasures, nor speaking thine own words. Friends, what did we just mention a moment ago? Repetition is the way that we can memorize scripture, isn't it? And the more we talk about things, the more we look upon things that are holy and pure and clean, the more we become. For by beholding, we become changed. Whatever we look at, whatever we say, whatever we hear, whatever we do, whatever we eat or drink, it all has a part in developing that spiritual character that we mentioned last night. Then shalt thou delight thyself in the Lord, and I will cause thee to ride upon the high places of the earth and feed thee with the heritage of Jacob for thy father, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken it. You know, there's a, there's a text that I always uh, enjoy in uh, Psalms 103. And Psalms 103 says, verse 5, it says that it had, let's turn to it. It, it's such an interesting text. It gives a, a person uh, encouragement, especially when you start getting up in years. Psalms 103, verse 5. I've always liked this verse. It says, <clears throat> it's talking about the benefits that God is going to give us. And, um, and the verse just pre preceding says that... Um, God will forgive all of our iniquities and heal us of all of our diseases. In verse um, 3. And so you can see the spiritual and the physical connection there. He will heal all of our diseases and forgive all of our iniquities. 
He will redeem our life from destruction. And friends, many of us today are on the road of destruction. I know I certainly was. And I just praise God that he has revealed such a wonderful message, a message of love to, to myself. And it's only by God's grace and mercy that I'm able to even begin to try to keep it and obey it. But I have a desire. And I truly want to submit to him each day. How about you? That's what it is. It's a daily submitting. A desire to do what is right. But verse 5, I think, is wonderful. Who satisfies thy mouth with good things, so that thy youth is renewed like the eagles. Friends, do you want to soar like an eagle? I'm getting tired of pecking like a chicken. How about you? I want to soar like an eagle. And God here says that these things that he has made for us will renew our strength as an eagle. What a wonderful promise. Now, if we can just go back to Isaiah 58. Isaiah 58, I should have had you to hold that place. <clears throat> now, I'd like to read a comment or a statement here that the Spirit of Prophecy says. But first I want to read verse 6 in Isaiah 58, and it says this. Is this not the fast that I have chosen, to loose the bands of wickedness, to undo the heavy burdens, and to let the oppressed go free, and that ye may break every yoke? Now, we discussed last night what a fast, the true fast was, didn't we? What is the true fast? Abstinence in harmful foods and moderation in the good. That's what the true fast is. That's what the spirit of prophecy tells us. And then it says, <clears throat> when we do that, when we get that right, it says, it is not to deal with thy bread to the hungry, and that thou shalt bring, bring the poor that are cast out into thy house. When thou seest the naked, thou shalt cover him, and thou shalt hide thy, not thyself from thine own flesh. Friends, and when we get it right in our own life, then we can go out and help others, can't we? We can go out and help the sick and the oppressed, the naked, the blind, the prisoners in the, in the prisons. You know why? Because we've got all of self empty. And then we focus in on, God's, on, on the people of the world. You see, we need to put God first, our fellow man second, us last. That's the way the Lord wants it. But we can't do that. You see, if we can overcome appetite, if we can apply this true fast to our life, then we'll be able to go out and do those things and actually love doing it. And then it says, Then shall thy light break forth as the morning, and thine health shall spring forth speedily. Do you get that? Speedily? And the right, thy righteous shall go before thee, thy righteousness shall go before thee, the glory of the Lord shall be thy reward. And you know what Medical Missionary, page 12 says? All those that have applied this, all those that are in the Lord's work and in his service, the Holy Spirit, before the end of time, will renew 
every organ of the body. Isn't that a wonderful promise? But you see, there's always a condition to every promise, isn't there? And so this true fast, this health reform message that we have today is very appropriate for God's people today. It's not for healthy sinners. Not to get well and to keep on sinning and keeping on doing our own lifestyle. It's to make changes. And when we make changes in health reform in our life, we're going to see a wonderful spiritual exchange, uh, uh, renewal. Let me just read another uh, comment that was made here. Uh, let me see here. Give me about a minute. <clears throat> I have two or three here, and I want to read them to you because I think they're so vitally important. Okay, here it is. This is on councils and health, page 578 to 579. It says, The failure to follow the sound principles has marred the history of God's people. There has been a continual backsliding in health reform, and as a result... God is dishonored by the great lack of spirituality. Far better give up the name of Christian than make a profession and at the same time indulge appetite which strengthens the unholy passions. When they break away from all health-destroying indulgence and will have a clear perception of what constitutes true godliness, a wonderful change will be seen in their religious experience. And friends, I would like to say today, I can, I can attest to that. I haven't arrived yet. But I remember the lifestyle I used to live. I used to be a nominal Adventist. I became an Adventist when I was a very young man. Well, 27. But I was a nominal Adventist because I never heard the health message. I never heard anybody preach the health message. And I would study, but it seemed like I never comprehended. But when my wife and I came together, and she really wanted to be a vegetarian, we started studying together, and we started having some real insight. And friends, I truly believe that the Lord has blessed me than, more than before. I just praise his holy name for it. I'd like to read you another statement here. Okay. This is in Third Testimonies, page 491 to 492. <clears throat> the controlling power of the appetite will prove ruin of thousands. And when, if they had conquered on this point, they would have had moral power to gain victory over every other temptation of Satan. But those who are slaves to appetite will fail in perfecting Christian character. Can we see how important this is? The continual transgression of man for 6,000 years has brought sickness, pain, and death as its fruit. And as it were, as, as we near the close of, uh, close of time, Satan's temptations to indulge appetite will be more powerful to, and more difficult to overcome. 
Well, I had more I wanted to share on that. Do you, do you mind spending just a few extra minutes? I have something that I think is really important, and I want to share that with you. Uh, here's another one I would like to give you before I get into the scriptures and the connection with Satan's device through appetite to get us to worship a false god. Councils to Teachers says this, page 53. It is truly a sin to violate the laws of our being as it is to break the commandments. To do either is to break God's law and those who transgress the law of God in their physical organ, organism will be inclined to violate the laws of the spoken on Sinai. And friends, let me tell you, when those seven last plagues come, do you know who it is that receive the sores? Those that do not obey the laws of God. Those that accept the false Sabbath. I wish I had more time to get into this, but I want to just get into this one point on what connection is there between appetite and worship? Well, first of all, let's go back to Genesis. Would you give me another 15 minutes? Is that, is that too late? No. Okay. Another 15 minutes, and I just want to elaborate on this here. <clears throat> okay, Genesis uh, 2, uh, 3, I beg your pardon, verse 5 and 6, and I'll move right along here because I don't want to keep you too much longer. But I think this is important for us to know on uh, Satan, one of Satan's devices. You know, the only thing that he could, one of the main temptations of the senses is the appetite. You know why? Because we have to eat every day. See, that's the one thing that's before us. And uh, that's the one thing that he can tempt us in. Okay, for God does know. Now, Eve was tempted by Satan uh, in, as a serpent and says, For God does know that in the day thereof, that when your eyes shall be open, and ye shall be what? You shall be God's, knowing good and evil. And he knows that when he gets you to sin against God, we set up ourselves as God because we feel we know more than God and so we do things contrary to what God asks us not to do. It says, And when the woman uh, saw the tree, that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eye and the tree that was desired to make one wise, she took, she took of the fruit thereof and did eat and gave unto her husband and... <clears throat> to her husband with her, and he did eat. And friend, you see, all five of her senses were, were affected that day. When she touched it, when she listened to, to the, to the uh, Satan, she put, she put herself on his ground. And uh, when she... Big pardon? You've got it on scripture. Genesis 3. Genesis 3, verses 5 and 6. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Beg your pardon. She was tempted in all of those, uh, those, um, those senses. And finally, the other four were, weakened her, and finally she took the fruit and ate it. But what followed after that? A second temptation. And as we go through these series of scriptures, I'd like you to see the, the, um, the uh, way Satan works. He has a plan. First he tempts us in appetite, then he tempts us in worship. And you can see the, the uh, groundwork here. Because the next temptation came 
uh, in uh, Genesis 4, verses uh, 3, 4, and then I'm going to skip down to 8. It says, And in a process of time, it came to pass that Cain <clears throat> brought the fruit of the ground as an offering unto the Lord. And Abel, he also brought of the firstlings of the flock and of the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Abel uh, to his offering. Now they both were told to bring offerings to the altar. And so Cain brought fruits and vegetables to the altar and he put those up on the altar. He wanted to implement his own form of worship. Trying to change things around. Where Abel brought the food, I mean brought the offering that he was supposed to bring. And as we get down to verse 8, it says, And Cain talked with Abel, his brother, and it came to pass that when they were in the field, that Cain rose up against Abel and his brother and slew him. See, so Cain tried to convince Abel, Look, why don't you do it the same way I'm doing? Don't take the lamb and kill it. Take the fruits and vegetables like I'm doing. But friends, what's going to happen in the last days when they say, Come on, worship on Sunday. What's the difference? You'll lose your life if you don't. And when you don't agree, what happens? When they raise up against you to slay you, will you be ready and prepared? Will you stand firm and fast? These are questions we need to ask ourselves, friends. Let's turn to Exodus 33, 32, I beg your pardon. I know I think it is 33. Let me check here quickly. Uh, yeah, Exodus 33, uh, 32. I'll get it right here in a minute. Exodus 32, verse 16 to 19. And when the Israelites were traveling in the wilderness, one of the very first temptations they had was what? Appetite. They had the manna from heaven, angels' food. And they murmured and complained about the flesh pots of Egypt. And God gave them the flesh pots of Egypt, didn't he? He gave them the quail. And while they still had the quail in their mouth, they killed over dead from a plague. Remember the connection between animals and plagues. You see, as we get toward the end, the animals are going to be teeming with disease. Well, they already are. But there's going to be, I mean, how much worse can they be if they already have BIV? Okay, verse 16 to 19 says this, and the tables, this is when Moses and Joshua went up on top of the mount. And they had the temptation of the appetite. And here comes the second temptation. And the tables were, were the work of God. And the writing was the writing of God. Graven upon the tablets. And Moses was coming down the mountainside with Joshua. With the ten commandments in his arm. And uh, it says. And when Joshua heard the noise of the people. As they shouted. He said unto Moses. There is a noise, and, noise of war in the camp. Joshua thought there was a great war going on. But Moses knew better. Because he says, and he said, It is not the voice of them that shouts for the mastery, neither it is the voice of them that cry for being overcome. But the noise of them that's, that sing, I do hear. And it came to pass, as soon as they came nigh unto the camp, they saw the, the calf and the dancing, and Moses' anger waxed hot, and he cast the tables out of his hand and brake them beneath the mouth. And friends, when they fell weakness and fell prey to the first temptation of appetite, then they fell prey to the forms of worship. In fact, you might even say they fell prey to forms of music. 
because that also was taking place. Now, let's turn to Daniel, if you would, with me, please. Daniel 1. Now, we must remember that the Israelite children, they were trained for years to live the life that they were living. But when they were taken into Babylon, the king says, well, now I'm going to give these men the food right off the king's table because this is going to make them healthy, wealthy, and wise. But Daniel and his friends said, no, we're not going to eat that type of food. And we can see in verse 8, he says, and Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself, would not what? Keep that word in mind. Defile himself with a portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore he requested of the prince of the eunuchs that he may not defile himself. And in verse 12 we find that they were vegetarians. But we found that there was only four that still hold fast. Out of those thousands of Hebrews, there were only four that held fast to the principles that they were taught. I might add, because of their, their faithfulness, it tells us in verse 17, and as for these four children, God gave, God gave them knowledge and the skills and all learning and wisdom, and Daniel had understanding and visions and dreams. How about you, friends? You want understanding and wisdom, knowledge? You want skills and learning? You know, other than Jesus Christ, Daniel was one of the greatest uh, uh, examples in temperance there is. I certainly want to learn more. How about you? I want to be, have a clear mind so I can have a clear perception. When things come before me, if we study the truth, the error will be exposed. Don't study the error to find out what error is. Study the truth, friends. That's what they do in the banks. In the banks, they teach them how to recognize the true dollar bill so when the false comes across the board, they recognize it right away. And that's the way we should be. We should not read every type of manuscripts and papers and stuff that come out that are pointing out errors and all this type of thing. I say the Bible and the spirit of prophecy and those only. And as we remember, William Miller, it said he put away all secular reading and focused in on the scriptures. Okay, let's turn to the, the second temptation after they were tempted with appetite going into Babylon. Chapter 3, verse 4 through 7. And we'll find that the same men that stood fast and hold fast to the health reform message that was taught to them held fast when it came to the time of worshiping the golden image. Verse 4 says, Then, then a herald cried aloud, to you that is commanded, O people, nations, and languages. Notice that this wasn't just one city. This was a whole world, people, nations, and languages. That at what time that ye hear the sound of the cornet, the flute, the harp, the sackbut, the psaltery, the dulcimer, and all kinds of music. There's that all kinds of music again that is implemented into there. Ye fall down and worship the golden image that Nebuchadnezzar 
uh, <clears throat> the king has set up. And whoso falleth, whoso falleth not down and worship shall in the same hour be cast into the midst of the fiery and burning furnace. And friends, if you notice the pattern here, first is the temptation and appetite. Then it is a temptation in worship. And then if you don't bend to that worship, then it is a temptation of facing death. Can we see that? Let's turn to Matthew 4. Matthew 4. Matthew 4, 4. Now this is um, Matthew 3. I mean, Matthew 4, verses 3 and 4. And Jesus went into the wilderness, and it was after the 40 days of fasting. He was hungry. And this is what Satan said to him. The tempter came to him and said, If thou be the Son of God, command those what those stones to be bread so he was tempting him in appetite wasn't he but Jesus said it is written that man will not live by bread alone but every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God <clears throat> now we know that he had a temptation in presumption but in verse 9 it says this and he said unto him this is Satan again all these things he showed him all the things of the world from the beginning to the end Will I give thee if thou wilt fall down and worship me? And then, the, then said Jesus unto him, Get thee hence, Satan, for it is written that thou shalt worship the Lord thy God and him only. Well, friends, let me tell you, or ask you this. Are we going to have the same temptations today? Are we tempted in appetite? I have been, you bet. In fact, the temptation even comes ever so often. But you have to do like Joseph, turn and flee the other way. God will give us the grace to do that. We're told that as in the days of Noah, so will be the days of the coming of the Son of Man, when people will be eating and drinking and marrying and giving in, in marriage until the Lord comes. We're also told that many will start, their fellow uh, servants will start eating and drinking with the drunken and start smiting their fellow servants. And if we do not conform to their laws and their rules, in chapter 13 of Revelation, we find, let's just turn there quickly in our conclusion here. Chapter 13. Verse 15 through 18 says, And he had the power to give life to the image of the beast, and the image of the beast should both speak and cause as many as would not worship the image of the beast, they should be killed. And he caused all, both small, great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive the mark in their right hand and in their forehead, and that no man would be able to buy or sell. Friends, what's going to happen when we can't buy food? We can't pay our taxes. We can't pay our rent. We can't buy clothes. Are we going to hold firm to that faith like the, the Hebrew children did in Daniel's time? Are we going to lean totally? Is that rope of faith going to get bigger and bigger? 
so that we know that the Lord will take care of us in that time of need. I have no doubt about that. History reveals that. Time after time after time, God has always kept his people. Um, here is wisdom. Now, where did, where did those Hebrew children get the wisdom? God blessed them with the wisdom, didn't he? Because they were obedient to the health laws that he had given them. Here is wisdom, and here is understanding. Count the number of the beasts, for it is the number of a man, and the number is six hundred, three score and six. So you see how important that wisdom is, is that we may know that when the events take place. Uh, we're told in the spirit of prophecy that toward the end, there's going to be a Protestant and Republican government in the United States that's going to wrap up some of the final things of Earth's history. Friends, I want you to know that this year when the United States has had another election, unequivocally, the Republican government has taken almost every office there is in the federal government and in the state. I don't know if you're aware of that. Are you aware of that? They have taken over every office. And uh, I'll just read to you what it says about that. And page... Um, okay, it's in uh, 5T, page 451. When the Protestants shall stretch their hands across the gulf to grasp the hands of Roman power, and when she shall reach over the abyss to clasp hands with spiritualism... And you see, in the Catholic Church, they have a combination of both, don't they? They have spiritualism in the church. When under the influence of this threefold union, our country, this is the United States, shall repudiate every principle of the Constitution as a Protestant and Republican government, and shall make provisions for the propagation of the papal falsehood and delusions, then we shall know that the time uh, has come, the time has come, for the marvelous workings of Satan and that the end is near. Friend, do you believe the end is near? I tell you, when we've seen this happen in our own country, when the uh, United States government is completely taken over by the Republican government, I wish we had more time to share more things with you, but we don't. But it, it's obvious to me that the end is upon us. May God give each and every one of us the grace to be able to obey. Give us the grace to be able to stand. Because, friends, we of ourselves, we cannot do it. May God bless you as you go through life and strive toward that peak of perfection.